Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. Guys, we are just 16 days away from week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which means more content here on the For the Culture Podcast with game previews, game recaps, and all that good stuff throughout the course of the season. So if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to the For the Culture Podcast. You can follow us. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on iHeartRadio.com. All your favorite podcasting platforms. And then our main source, which is our YouTube page, youtube.com backslash GoColts. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a like and a comment. Guys, we really appreciate all the support from our wonderful fans throughout Colts Nation supporting us here on the For the Culture podcast. So guys, let's get right into this For the Culture Q&A just 16 days away from week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And question number one, if Rivers for some reason can't play, what scenario, if any, would you put Eason in the game instead of Jacoby Brissett? The only way I see Eason playing over Jacoby this season would be as if it were at the end of the season, Rivers is banged up, and we're out of playoff contention. If the game doesn't mean anything, what's the closest thing to a preseason, which we didn't get this year and we never had a chance to watch Easton play in preseason games? It would be December games, an early January game, in the regular season, a week 17 January game, where you're already eliminated from postseason contention. Because no disrespect to Jacoby Brissett, but if... I am looking towards the future of this team, and I want to make the most out of the last couple weeks. I would like to see Jacob Eason out there, and I would like to see what he has, especially because we didn't get a chance to see him in the preseason. So it would be really great to be able to evaluate him in a couple of regular season games going up against not just NFL players like you would see in August where you're playing against backups, but you would see starting NFL defenses and you would have him playing behind a starting offensive line, throwing to starting wide receivers, handing the ball off to Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, throwing the T.Y., throwing the Pittman. So I think it would be a good look for him. And then maybe it doesn't tell you everything you need to know, but then you could go into the offseason saying, okay, look, this is what we have in Jacob Eason. Yes, we need to address the quarterback position of the future. No, we don't need to address the quarterback position of the future, especially if we're missing the playoffs with Phillip Rivers in this hypothetical. That's really the only way I see Eason playing this season over Jacoby. And hopefully it never comes to this. Hopefully Rivers doesn't go down. And to be honest with you guys, I just don't see a scenario where this Colts team misses the playoffs. So if Rivers were to go down at any point during the season, I think it would be Jacoby Brissett because Jacoby right now, with everything we know, gives us a better chance to win on Sunday than Jacob Eason. You go back to last year, Jacoby did find a way to win seven games. Was it primarily because of the offensive line, the run game? Yes, yes, yes. Did we lose a lot of close games because of the quarterback, because of the kicking game? Also, yes. But he did find a way to win seven games last year. We add DeForest Buckner. We upgrade the kicking position because Venetari had a really rough, a brutal start to the year, a really rough year last year. So now this year, whether it's Blankenship or McLaughlin, it's looking like McLaughlin. You have a more competent kicker. You have DeForest Buckner. You bring in Taylor, bring in Pittman through the draft. Xavier Rhodes. This is a better roster than last year. And if Jacoby doesn't get hurt against the Steelers, I don't think we win that game, but I do think we beat Miami the following week with Jacoby instead of Brian Hoyer, which means last year we go 8-8. Eight and eight. So if Phillip Rivers were to go down for a couple of weeks at any point during the season, I would feel confident that Jacoby could be a placeholder for a week or two to win a game, win a couple games if we needed to call 
on number seven to get the job done. I think there's a reason why Jacoby is still here. And I don't just think it's a financial reason because of the way the books were. I think if our 38-year-old quarterback were to miss a week or two, they have confidence in Jacoby being able to step in and get the job done. So the only way I see Jacob Eason getting a start this year, besides both quarterbacks getting hurt, would be if Rivers were to get hurt and the Colts were to have already been eliminated from the playoffs. It's the only way, but I don't think this Colts team will ever be out of playoff contention. So I don't see Eason getting a start this season. Can you talk about training camp and what you last heard? Well, guys, tomorrow there's going to be a live scrimmage on the Colts' YouTube page, on the Colts' Twitter page. So we will be able to watch a live scrimmage. So I'll learn a lot more about camp. I'll get to see things that I would have liked to have already seen but haven't been able to see up until this point. Tomorrow in the scrimmage, Jason and I will break down the scrimmage, which will be a lot of fun. But pretty much, guys, everything I know is what you know. I'm reading the same tweets. I'm reading the same articles. I'm seeing the same clips that the Colts are uploading. So I don't have any inside information other than what Kevin Bowen told me last week. If you guys haven't checked out that podcast, me and Kevin did a great show on the Colts offensive side of training camp. We went through Phillip Rivers, what he sees in Rivers, what he sees in the run game, the O-line. So if you guys haven't had a chance, I would definitely go check that out. Good insight with the wide receiver position, the competition there in a new and improved wide receiver core. So unfortunately, I don't have any new inside information, but if you guys haven't checked that out, Kevin does a great job on Kevin's Corner, came on with me last week and covered the offense in training camp. And I hope to get him back next week. We'll go over the defense. Who would win a singing competition, Julian Blackman or Victor Alandipo? I do think Victor Alandipo has a better voice. So I guess it depends on what the competition is looking for. If this is pure voice, like the voice on NBC where they press the button and they turn the chairs around and it's not about anything else but the voice, I think Victor would get the first chair turn over Julian Blackman. I think Victor would get four chair turns. But Julian Blackman... In those final stages, when you call in and you vote for the winner, you go online and you vote, I think Julian Blackman does a better job in terms of performance. I think Julian Blackman's ability to work the crowd was very impressive, especially as a rookie. And for people who don't know what I'm talking about right now and think I'm a lunatic, the Colts did a team bonding exercise where all the rookies sang a song. And it wasn't like lip singing or anything like that. It was basically karaoke, Julian Blackman did a phenomenal job and you're in a room full of all these veteran guys. You have a couple guys who have Hall of Fame resumes like Justin Houston and Phillip Rivers. You have all these coaches and he was not afraid at all to work the crowd. He wasn't shy. He wasn't intimidated by any of the guys in the room. So I was really impressed by his confidence, his swagger out there on the stage. So I think Victor Allen Depot for you Pacer fans does have a better voice but Julian Blackman, the better overall performer, and he had a pretty solid voice, especially in comparison to some of the other guys. Like Robert Windsor was awful. Some of the guys up there were so bad, they could not sing. And I can't sing, so I'm not saying I can sing, but I'm just saying if I'm looking at these guys and I'm evaluating their singing performances, Julian Blackman was pretty solid amongst his peers. Who do you see stepping into the number two wide receiver spot on the depth chart? Pascal's consistent. Pittman is a first-round talent with size, and everyone is waiting for Campbell. I could see Hines fitting into that Eckler role for Phillip Rivers. Well, to get the Hines part out of the way, Hines could definitely fit 
and not only fit the Eckler role, but I think he'll supersede that role. I think he will be more in the elk of Darren Sproles, who was a Pro Bowl player with Phillip Rivers in San Diego. So I think Hines and Rivers are going to hit it out of the park together. Also, two Wolfpack guys, two NC State guys, in addition to Jacoby Brissett. So back-to-back years, the Colts have... NC State quarterback starting for them, two different NC State quarterbacks starting for them, two in our quarterback room, and Naheem Hines. So I think Hines is going to have a really big year. But as far as the number two spot in our wide receiver depth chart, I think it's going to be Zach Pascal to at least start the year. This offseason, as weird as it was with the COVID-19 stuff, no preseason, limited training camp, no OTAs, I think that's going to affect rookies the most. So I would assume right now Pittman would be a little bit behind the eight ball. I'm not hearing a lot about Pascal in training camp, but at this point he's more of a veteran guy. He's been around for a couple years. I think this will be his third year with the Colts. He had a lot of starting experience last year, and his numbers didn't really reflect how good he was last year because of the quarterback in Jacoby. So I think that Pascal will be the number two receiver after T.Y. Campbell will be in the mix. Pittman will be in the mix. Campbell just has to stay healthy, and we're hearing great things about him out of camp, but can he stay healthy? I know this week he had a car accident, which is a freak thing. It has nothing to do with football or football-related injuries, but last year in seven games, he had three surgeries, four injuries. This time last year, he was banged up with a hamstring, went into the season, had three surgeries, which is scary. So you pray for him. You hope he's able to stay healthy. You pray for him after that car accident. He had... I think a little minor concussion or he went into concussion protocol. So hopefully he's okay. Hopefully it's not severe. But he's a guy we need to see him stay healthy this season. He has to prove to us that he's able to stay healthy before we pencil him in as a number two or a long-term number two who we could rely on being there not only week one, but week two, week three, week four, week five. Can he consistently stay on the field the way we know Zach Paschal has been able to do over the last couple of years for the Colts? So I think right now it's T.Y., Pascal, Pittman, Campbell, or Campbell, Pittman, depending on who you're putting in the slot. If TY's outside, then it'll be Campbell because Campbell could play the slot. If TY's in the slot, then it'll be Pittman at the number three because then you could have Pittman and Pascal outside, which I think Phil would like because he's going to want two big body guys on the outside like he's used to in San Diego and Los Angeles. And then you could have TY in the slot. So it'll be interesting. But right now, one, two, I would go TY, Pascal. And I think I'm changing my opinion a little bit because a month or two ago when I went over the receivers, I think I had T.Y., Pittman, Pascal, Campbell. So I might have switched those two up. But that's my feeling right now, which is a little bit more concrete than how I felt about a month and a half ago. Why do you think Jonathan Taylor is above Marlon Mack when it comes to fantasy football draft position, even though he's a rookie and not proven, as well as being behind an amazing running back like Mack? Well, I'm not a huge fantasy guy, but if you're talking about these fantasy shows and these magazines, you guys have to remember they follow all 32 teams on a macro level. They don't follow each team on a micro level. Marlon Mack will be the Colts starter to at least start the season. The Colts are saying they're going to split carries. Gun to my head, if I had to choose, I would say Marlon Mack gets more carries than Jonathan Taylor. Now, Taylor has, and me and Kevin Bowen talked about this last week on the show, Taylor definitely has a higher ceiling, a brighter future in terms of all pros, pro bowls, accolades like that. But right now, Marlon Mack is the starter. 
And even though they're going to split carries, if I had a gun to my head and I had to pick which guy has more carries by the end of the season, I would go with Marlon Mack because of the fact that he's been here before, because of the fact that he's earned that respect, he's earned that trust late in the game, hasn't fumbled in over a year, had zero fumbles last year. So if I had to pick who has more carries, I would go Marlon Mack. And if I were drafting a fantasy team, I would probably pick Mack first too. Just because I think the ball is going to be in his hands more. And Mack last year finished top 10 in rushing. So it's not like this guy's a scrub and coming off a year where he didn't do anything. Marlon Mack was really solid for the Colts last year. So I think both guys are fantasy-worthy draft picks. I think both guys should be on fantasy rosters. And it might be one of those things where if Taylor is going early and you could get Taylor, but then you could still get Mack later on, you could have both Colts running backs on your fantasy roster, you might have hit the monopoly there and then... You could feel it out week by week, which guy you think is going to get more carries, which guy you think is going to have a bigger year. And then halfway through the season, if Jonathan Taylor is getting all those goal line carries and he's the guy that you end up starting more often in your fantasy, at least you have both guys to choose from. But I'm not a huge fantasy guy because I just love the Colts so much. I honestly do not like rooting for players on other teams. So I really don't like fantasy football from that aspect. But I have played before and I got to admit, it is fun. Will you go on with Dan Dockich again? Yeah, definitely. Once Dan Dockich invites me back on, I thought I did really good with him the last time I was on, the only time I was on about a month or two ago. So I would like to see him eventually invite me back on. I'd be happy to go on, happy to chat with him, talk Colts football throughout the course of the season. I would love to be back on, especially during the year, especially after a monster performance by Darius Leonard in route to his defensive player of the year award, which I believe he has a really good chance of receiving at the end of the year. How many rushing yards will the Colts achieve this year? Well, last year, I think we were around 2,100. I think the Ravens led all teams. They were in first place by a mile because they had a quarterback who ran for over 1,000 yards. So they were up over 3,000. I think second place was about 2,300. So could the Colts this year be second in the league in rushing? Yes, I think we'll be in that 2,300 to 2,500 rushing yard category it might hurt us a little bit because we'll have a quarterback who doesn't have any rushing yards to show but I would say we'll be somewhere from four to two in rushing this year I think we'll have a really solid rushing attack as a team between Mac and Taylor the only team I am sure we will not pass will be the Baltimore Ravens because when you have a quarterback you already have a good running game you already have a good running back in Ingram and then you have a quarterback who is an additional 1,000-plus rushing yards, that team will lead the league in rushing. But I think the Colts could be anywhere from second to third to fourth. So we'll definitely be in the mix. Reich said, quote, We will have a relentless pursuit to get better every day and an obsession to finish, end quote. I've applied quotes like this from Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. It has helped me progress through my law school. My question is, do you also find motivation in quotes like these to improve at your specialty? Great question. Outside the box question, which I love to get here on the For the Culture podcast from Daniel. First off, I think it's great that you take these quotes and apply them to your everyday life because it's something that we could all definitely apply to anything. This definitely transcends football, a relentless pursuit to get better. No matter what you do, you could get better at it every day and an obsession to finish, which is very important. If you start something, you should finish it. So I love that quote from Frank Reich. There are so many great quotes from Reich and Ballard, which we have 
seen and heard over the years. So I think it's awesome that you apply this to your law school. Personally, have I consciously taken one of these quotes and used it in my everyday life and tried to match it? No, but it's something I could definitely adopt. I could use it for the podcast. I could use it at work at WFAN and CBS Sports Radio. So it's something I could definitely see me using and applying to everyday life. But up until this point, I haven't done it. But I think that's great for you. Congratulations with your law school. However far you are, if you finished, if you're still going, congratulations. Keep going strong and have an obsession to finish, like Frank Reich would tell you. What would you consider a good season for Phil Rivers? Stats, how he looks, etc. What are your expectations and predictions? Good season, I would say about 30 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 4,000 yards, win 11 games, get to the playoffs, win a playoff game. Those are also along my expectations, but I'm telling you guys, I expect this team to compete for a Super Bowl because I love the way we match up with the top teams in this conference. If I were a Kansas City Chief fan or if I were Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes, a team I really would not want to see in January would be the Indianapolis Colts. I think we pose a serious threat to the Kansas City Chiefs. You go back to last year, no Darius Leonard defensively, so you add back Darius Leonard, you add DeForest Buckner, you upgrade the quarterback from Jacoby to Phillip Rivers, and you upgrade the kicker even though Venetari was pretty good that game and didn't miss anything. So my expectations are very high. I expect at least one playoff win, but I expect us to compete for a Super Bowl championship. I think this roster is that talented, that deep, that good, in addition to the coaching staff. So I am really feeling good about this team heading into 2020. Who do you believe will be the best pass rusher next year? Definitely Justin Houston. I have no reason to believe otherwise. Up until this point, Justin Houston has been the best pass rusher on this roster, the most consistent pass rusher on this roster. Double-digit sacks last year. Torrey coming off an injury. Muhammad, we haven't seen that same level of consistency from, although he has a great motor, and I... I'm a big fan of his in addition to Kamoko Ture. But when you're just talking about productivity, we've seen a year in and year out of Justin Houston in Kansas City. And then last year he comes in, gets double-digit sacks. I have no reason to believe that he will not be the Colts' top pass rusher this year. So I'll definitely go with Justin Houston. If Okariki has a solid year, could this be Walker's final year with the Colts? Yes, I think it's a little bit early to get into this conversation, but is it possible? Definitely possible. Definitely a possibility that Okariki outplays Walker and plays him off the roster. Now, at the same time, Darius Leonard and Walker are very close. Walker's a very solid Gary Brackett-like player. He's not going to physically wow you the way Okariki will or EJ Speed will or, of course, Darius Leonard, who is just the perfect all-around linebacker. But Walker is a very smart, very fundamentally sound, very durable linebacker. He's been really good for the Colts over the last two years. I don't think it's all about Okariki. I also think it's about Anthony Walker. If Walker continues to put up these solid numbers, have solid performances, have a great working relationship and off-the-field friendship with Darius Leonard, I think all those things could come into play. So I think it's a little bit early, but I do think it's a possibility that Walker is gone next year. I also think it's a great possibility that Okariki outplays him and he's still back because of what he brings to the team, what he brings to the locker room. With another injury, what are the odds this is T.Y. Hilton's final season as a Colt? Well, I definitely think it's a possibility. 
I would hate to see it happen. I really don't want to see T.Y. leave. I don't want to see T.Y. retire. But is it a possibility? Yes. What are the chances? I don't think the chances are good. I think there's a greater than 50% chance that he's back in 2021. But T.Y.'s getting up there, 31, more of a speedster. Injuries starting to build up over the last couple of years. Is it possible that T.Y. Hilton is done in Indy after this year or next year? Yeah, I think it's a possibility. I would like to see him back. I think as long as he stays healthy, he's going to have a really good productive season for the Colts. So it's not really the time, kind of like the Walker-Okariki question. It's not really the time to be talking about this because we're going into a season in 16 days. T.Y.'s on this roster. He's still our number one wide receiver. So I think we have the guys to eventually replace him. I think Pittman and a healthy Paris Campbell, if Campbell could ever get and stay healthy, have the talent and ability to one day be number one receivers. But right now, T.Y. is still on this roster. He's still our number one wide receiver. And it's one of those time will tell type of questions. If we re-sign Walker, how many years do you think it'll be for? I don't know. Tough question to answer. We have to still see this season play out. We have to see the way he plays, the way Okariki plays. I would assume maybe a three-year deal if you re-sign him, but it's kind of early for that. Who are your pro comparisons for Taylor and Pittman? Pittman would be Vincent Jackson. I did not make that comparison. I heard somebody else give it, and I thought it was really solid, very similar to Vincent Jackson, who has a history with Phillip Rivers, and I think that you'll see a similar role that Vincent Jackson had in San Diego, and then Jonathan Taylor, I would go Saquon Barkley because of the build coming out of the Big Ten, better numbers than Barkley in the Big Ten, but those big, thick legs, low to the ground, power runner, about five foot ten. so they're very similarly built coming out of the same conference in college, great guy off the field, leader, all those things, so my pro comparisons would be Pittman, Vincent Jackson, Taylor, and Saquon Barkley. And guys, that wraps up our For the Culture Q&A. 16 days away from week one Colts Jags in Jacksonville. I cannot wait for that. They beat our brains in week 17. The new look Colts, the fourth buck there, Phillip Rivers. A revenge game for the Colts in week one, just 16 days away. Jason and I have some good content coming up over the next week, guys. We'll be back in the swing of things now as we get closer and closer to September, closer and closer to week one and the season with pre-game shows, post-game shows, game recaps, and all that great stuff throughout the course of the season. So guys, please make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, Google Play, on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Guys, once again, I'm your host, Luke Diamond, and this is the For the Culture Podcast.